This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. It's Well, you know you missed us. You know you've been having withdrawals. And baby, we're here for you. You're so creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Church Boys. That was actually creepy too, but we are here. This is the Fifty Shades of the Church Boys. (laughs) We are here today to entertain you with... um, a whole bunch of stories, and Chris is going to be uh, talking quite a bit. And Billy just hung up on me. Where did you go? I'll I'll be calling Billy back right now. What? The, what's wrong with you? Listen. listen what did you okay. do? I, I have to. You didn't want to have this away. conversation. That's fine. Did I creep you out? Was it because I took my shirt off? Is that what the problem it was? It was because you took your shirt off. I'm actually still having tremors from the time you did that three episodes ago with the camera. <laughs> okay, well, let's just go ahead and do this then. <laughs> Kidding. So, uh, so as Billy was saying before, he was so rudely interrupted himself. What happened? Did you hit your. No, I, you know, I have this habit of moving my mouse around while I'm talking, and I clicked, I accidentally clicked off That's of funny. the Skype app. <laughs> We're keeping it. We're not. We're not. We're not going to start over. We're we're sticking with it. This is kind of like shark. It's a lot like shark. It's a whole load of shark. <laughs> uh, okay, but we do so, have a lot for you guys today. We've got an interview, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, with yes. this uh, really wonderful, interesting actor, um, Alexis Rodney, and he plays Peter in the new Killing Jesus movie. Um, and that noise in the background was Christopher Field opening a Diet Dr. Pepper, it looks like. Yes, it was. Uh, Diet Dr. Pepper. Tastes like medicine. I love it. Tastes just like regular Dr. Pepper, so they say. But with cancer in it. That's right. I love cans of cancer. Oh, boy. <laughs> so uh, before we get on to these stories, I mean, we have this great interview that you guys are going to really enjoy. It's um, I'm really impressed with him, this Alexis dude. Yeah, I liked him. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, I am really impressed with him. But let me say, uh, before we get on to that, you and I were having a little uh, text fight uh, earlier. A this battle. Week. A, a battle, battle of wit. <clears throat> well, I don't know if it was wit, but it was a battle. <laughs> Billy um, has unmasked himself as a uh, card-carrying communist. And so oh. I have to completely, all constantly do battle with him over his, uh, his idiocy and his... Um, I don't know. What is it? Your paternalism and all this kind of stuff. Let's go. <laughs> Excuse me. I keep having, I shouldn't have had that Dr. Pepper. Are these Burp burps or hiccups? These are burps. Oh, wow. Yeah, at least you're I, being honest. Hey, at least I'm not, burping. I'm not burping into the mic. I'm pulling away, you know, anyway. But Billy and I were having this Twitter fight, be, or not Twitter fight, this text. We should have done it on oh, Twitter. Oh, man, that would have been great. Everybody would have cited me, of course, and hurt your feelings. Wait a minute. Let's do it on Twitter to promote the show. See, oh, that's a behind the scenes. Look, now we're going behind the behind, <laughs> behind the, the scenes, <laughs> where they don't wear shirts. So, uh, Billy was talking about. Well, do do people know this about the news that you have? Yeah, they, yeah. Well, actually, we haven't talked about have it. We talked about it on the show. You should tell. No, the, we you should tell the news on the show, and then it will help people understand you know, so, why you're being such an idiot. The Hollowells are due to have a second baby, a second child in August. So we're like over halfway there. Right, so just about so halfway there. It was amazing. Billy Billy shared this news with the Blaze team, and suddenly most of the Blaze team became big proponents of the Chinese one-child policy. <laughs> you, you know, only you would make a joke about the Chinese one-child policy. Well, I, maybe but, they have a point. But, well, so we're expecting a kid, and and we're thinking through how work is going to look, how life is going to look, and right. so Christopher Field and I, I keep calling you Christopher today, Christopher Field and I. Had a had an epic battle uh, with a lot of stomping on the keyboard, pounding on the keyboard, yelling at one another Tears. about paternity leave. Tears, a plenty. Tears, <laughs> tears. Billy and was we crying had a debate by about the end. Leave. So, in fact, this debate is so fiery, so contentious that we're going to bring on, to bring a, a ref- special guest, a referee, 
Okay, let me let me, uh, let me uh let me call him up here on Skype. So fill the air with your nonsense about paternity leave, and I'll I'll get a hold of this special guest real quick. So you know, Chris, just to give you a quick recap, and I don't want to spoil it too much. You'll get to hear him, you know, lay out his whole ideology on this. Does not think that paternity leave should exist, and thinks that fathers should be just completely phased out. Well, that's a Whereas- lie. That's certainly not what I said. <laughs> You think, think we need do you fathers, think I'm not I listening mean, because I'm dialing this number? Um, and so in doing away with fathers, Chris believes that really society will just be a better place where mothers um, take control. <laughs> You're such a jerk. Okay, we're calling now. Let's see if this person picks up. Welcome to the Crack Jack the Morning Show. This is Jab. Settled. <laughs> <laughs> what? John Seidel. The Cracker Jackson, <laughs> Jungle Radio Show. Well, you've got that down pretty good. You sound like maybe you were a morning... to play every song all the time and 24-7. <laughs> but he comes on with shtick already. So, uh, those of you who may not recognize the uh, the fabulous <laughs> DJ voice, that is the... Uh, <laughs> that is, those are the dulcet tones of, uh, of John Seidel. Uh, janitor and deputy managing editor for the Blaze. John, you're on the air. Is that all right? You know, I didn't realize that I was actually going to be on the air right away, but I think it kind of worked <laughs> out. I thought you were going to call me and be like, "Hey, we're go- you know, uh, we're about to go on. You know, no. give me a sound check." But oh, no, uh, no, nope, no sound check. You're on. <laughs> it's it's going to sound horrible no matter what. We figured we could either practice it beforehand or just go raw. We'll just go raw because it'll sound <laughs> equally terrible. So, um, great. <laughs> so great. the reason, okay, so we're having you on. Well, Billy said we should have you on out of pity because you were hosting a podcast for a while that has now come to an end, at least for a while for now, uh, about the bachelor. Um, mm-hmm. and again, uh, and it was, I never so, it was the word it, pity. Oh, it was, you didn't say pity. I did pitiful, not say pitiful. pitiful. What's this, the word? By the way, is this another Billy lie? Didn't he lie last week? All the time. He lies every week. Every <laughs> week. It never ends. I'm not going to lie. I'm just the kidding. The bachelors, husbands watching um, the show with it's their the, wives or whatever it was called was really the, interesting. It was the show all about justifying married, you know, straight men watching The Bachelor. <laughs> married guys talk Bachelor. Right. Now, right. like I, I told Michael Puckett one time. One listener pointed out, and this is funny, I didn't realize this, but if you read it, so it could be married guys talk bachelor, but if you look at where that S is strategically placed, you could say married guy stock bachelor. Oh, that's probably more accurate. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i think they were more stalking the poor women who have subjected themselves to that to oh my goodness show. so i i to be fair john i i i did listen to your podcast and i, and I thought it was fun i thought it was i mean bachelor's, I bachelor's not my thing but i thought it was cool that you and you know old what's his name took that on and and did that there is actually a faith connection here um to the married guys talk bachelor podcast and that is um I was texting with one of my pastors at church um, a couple weeks ago, and he he sent me a text and he said, "Oh, do you really watch The Bachelor?" And I thought, "Oh no, oh, you know yeah. when your pastor texts you, do you really watch The Bachelor? That's an issue. That's not I, good. I feel like." And so I, I I sent back and I said, "You know, is is this?" is this the start of an official, you know, series of church discipline that I'm going to be going through? <laughs> and, and he said, no, actually I'm a, I'm, I'm slated to interview um, a previous bachelor, Sean Lowe, who lives here in Dallas. And I need your expertise to help me. So I figure out what I can, what I can ask him and what I know to ask him. So wow. my, my bachelor watching actually contributed to the good of 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 my the pastor. kingdom, John. The kingdom. Look at you. That's right. That's yeah, growing the kingdom. kingdom. <laughs> that's funny. Hey, the, well, that's that actually turned out pretty cool. That's all. That's all right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we always, I always, whenever I told now Billy never did this, and I'm not gonna lie and, and cause Billy problems, but I always call it, Billy. What did I always call it? The, the I swear I'm not gay podcast. <laughs> That is what Chris actually called. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I, I it couldn't not, be helped. However, hey, listen, hey, listen, you. I know what you call this show: two pricks with a microphone. I get it. That's fine. You're allowed to call it that. That's okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. 
Wait, are you going to tell John how you think fathers should be phased out? I don't. Th- okay, so here's so John, we're fathers. Calling, I don't think fathers should be phased out. J- Billy's lying again. So we're we were having this discussion before we called you, and we thought, hey, this would be a good time to bring John on. We plan on having you on anyway. We thought, well, let's talk to John about this because Billy shared some news that's happening with his family. But we have not shared your news on our show at all. Did you want to share maybe some news, and then we'll get into this discussion why we're discussing it? Yeah, so I am a first-time father, um, and my baby is due to enter this glorious world um, about May 9th, May Ooh. 8th or 9th. Congratulations. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Little girl. All right. Johnina? Yeah. Johnina? <laughs> no. Oh my god. I don't know. What are you gonna call her? What do you do you have a name yet? Are you sharing the name? Her, her name is Annie. Her name is Annie. Annie. All right, cool. So the discussion that Billy and I were having was as you know, the Blaze staff is can ask uh Glenn questions and sometimes he'll answer our questions about different things in the company. And one right. one time we had a question that was put out there by our own um William Penelope Hallowell the third. And it was about paternity leave. Is the Blaze ever going to institute paternity leave? You know, a lot of companies offer, you know, paternity leave. But there's maternity leave, but is, will there be paternity leave? So Billy, the selfish communist, is asking, obviously, for himself <laughs> to get paternity leave. And he and I had a big, long text texting G-chat debate over it, you know. and There were tears. It most, there were tears. It was written in all caps. It was doing all this kind of stuff. <laughs> Where do you come there down? Were, there, were, there, were, there, were, there were ridiculous emoticons. Yes. I, I hate emoticons. Do not use emoticons. Wait, Billy, let me clarify Do not something. use emoticons me, with me. Let me clarify something about my paternity leave proposal. My question was, um, you know, could could we have five to ten days? So one to two weeks. That When I say paternity leave, that's what I'm thinking. I'm not thinking months and months and months of time. I'm thinking like a so week to two Bill, in addition Billy, to your Billy, vacation. Billy's thing is... Hey, if if I happen to knock up my wife, can I have an extra two weeks of vacation? That's his thing. So that's what Billy's asking. So my question to you, John, my question to you, John, is if 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 a man knocks up his wife or girlfriend, should be he be then granted automatically two weeks of extra uh, vacation? All right. So Let me put well, it in the crass time, did Glenn way. ever answer your question, Billy? He did. He did. He did answer my question. He did. And, and I, it was... I haven't I haven't seen that yet. What did he say? Um, you Looking know, at, it's so it. funny. We're sharing like internal. No, but he was really great about it. I mean, he said he supported time off for parents to be with their kids and that it was really an HR question. It's, um, it's, it's HR you know, so. and he's not opposed to it. You know, why not look into it? That kind of thing. It was kind of the right. gist I got, right? It, was, yeah. it wasn't a let's do it or let's don't do it. It's like, it's worth certainly worth considering. That was the takeaway I had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would say if this issue didn't involve Billy, it'd be easier, right? Because, right. because... <laughs> Being a serial um, just whiner. Oh, um, beyond belief. Just, what's that? It's beyond belief. His level of whining. Wait a right, minute. Right. I want to point something out before we continue. See, he's going. He's whining already. He's complainer. whining. He's all whining already. I, no, I won worst complainer senior year. I won funniest and I won most superstitious. Which <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So, mm. so John, give us your expert uh, opinion on oh, this. Unless, of course, here, you, disagree, unless of course uh, you disagree with and then you're just a tard like Billy. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, since, since this is the Church Boys podcast, I will, bring, I, will, I will add a little serious love to you. Okay. I do think that we are seeing the, you know, the breakdown of um, the family unit, right? Sure. And, and as society – um, as the family unit breakdown breaks down, that has a lot of of bad consequences. Um, and in fact, you even see people like Dolce and Gabbana recently talking about, you know, why, you know, a family unit, or uh, excuse me, uh, not Dolce and, and Gabbana, but uh, the 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 woman who was raised by a lesbian um, couple, saying. You, you need both a father and a mother. You know, I didn't have that and I missed out on a lot. So my point is that I think there is something to be said for uh, an idea of um, culture um, um, bestowing uh, a, a, a type of reverence for um, the family unit. And I think that by uh, – 
companies uh, giving paternity leave, you are um, uh, you are working into culture that reverence that 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 people are saying we believe that uh, a father and a mother being there at a crucial time um, in a, in a baby's life is is something that we're going to support is something that is good for society and that we you know uh, want to be uh, a part of. So sure. I don't I don't um, see it as something just to, uh, good just because Billy whines and wants wants more vacation. <laughs> um, but I do see it as as a reflection of if society starts honoring that they they then start more so uh, honoring uh, the family unit. Okay, now, does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely, is. and I agree with those principles totally. And Billy and I agree on those principles. That was where we were in agreement on our little you know little Twitter. Our uh, texting spat that we had, but my thing is, I don't believe in coercing employers into doing it. Sure, I don't think that the government should have any role. In fact, you know, if employers want to ask, or if employees want to ask their employers, "Hey, would this be possible?" I don't think that employers should be pressured into adding paternity leave to their, you know, to their list of benefits. That's I just I don't think that that's healthy for employers. I don't think it's healthy for society. I think that paternity leave could be healthy. Listen, I've, as you know, I've had three kids. Well, my wife, my wife and I have had three kids, you know, ranging from, you know, one to seven years old. So it's not like it's they it was long ago, you know, it's, it's recent, right. it's, it's a recent thing. So I, and I never did paternity leave and this doesn't make me more of a man for not having it, but it's like, it's just, my wife was able to had really good maternity leave for her thing. And when it was time for her to go back to work, she went back to work and I didn't feel obliged to do this or do that or help, you know, to take time off. She didn't want me to, she wanted me to listen, you've got your job you've got to do. And I guess it depends on the person. I mean, like people like you and me, John are obviously hard to replace. Billy was easy to be easy to replace. So <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't bother the blaze at all for Billy to take two weeks off for paternity leave. You and I, <laughs> you and I take two weeks off for paternity leave, you know, things fall apart. Everything goes to hell. Right. And so there's the big difference, right. I think. Listen, listen, I think this is interesting. I do think, and I'm not judging people who don't take it. I think I took a week off when Ava, my first kid, was was born, and that was nice. I think two weeks would be perfect, but it's a lot of time. But, you know, when you look at polls on this, you've got like 89% of men who have, who have been surveyed in the U.S. saying that they wish they had a little bit of paid time, um, you know, just so that they can get to know their baby. It's Listen, especially with your first kid, John, yeah. listen up. It's hard. You know, the yeah. first couple weeks are tough. You're Absolutely. tired. The first sure couple is. months are tough. You know, so to have that week or two, you know, where you can get to know the baby, I think it's healthy. And I think it's a good thing. Do I think the government should mandate it? You know, no. I think Yes, that you that, do. Now, now you're lying. No, no, listen. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I don't. I, I honestly don't think, think you're lying right now. I think you re- I'm, not, I'm not just poking you, poking the bear. You want it to be forced on the employer. No, I no, no, no. You got it wrong. I want employers to feel a moral imperative to give certain benefits. That is so, the so difference because, between forcing because them the nanny state lectures the nanny state lectures an employer, you should do this, you should do this. We're not gonna mandate it by law, but we're gonna look over you and say you should do this, you should do this. Is this like with child labor laws, Chris, and things like that? Hey, is I'm, that uh, like I'm not a big fan of child labor laws either. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. The only reason Chris, 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 uh, w- uh, would ever want paternity leave is so that he can start training his one week old apparently how to sew and work for the the family sweatshop that he has going over there in, in Washington. So, so and cook. What's, what's the and problem? Cook. He wants the problem with cooking. That? Absolutely. No, I, I don't think it should be forced, but I do think people should. And not, I'm not talking specifically about paternity leave. And we happen to work for a very generous company. Yes, but I, listen, I think a lot of businesses do abuse their employees. And so, you know, there is something to that. But you have to find that middle But ground. you're not shackled to the, to the job. It depends. Sometimes you are. No, you're not. Quit. Listen, some people, we don't have, we don't have, and I'm going to sound, now here we go, I'm going to sound like oh, a comedy, but we don't have limitations necessarily, the three of us. But some people really do. And I agree. And then what you do, what do you do? You move. You don't like your situation. You get out of your situation. Stop making excuses for yourself. So you're let so me, bitter. Let, I am bitter. <laughs> let me throw a, a, a let time, me play devil's spend, advocate. Hey, a little just a minute, bit here just a minute, throw, Billy. I'll Billy, throw this at you guys. Okay, just but, a, just a minute, just a minute, Billy. Spend two minutes a week with you and and come away not bitter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Whatever. Okay. Now, now John's going to enlighten us because John's the wise one. That's why he gets to be deputy managing editor and janitor for the Blaze. I don't. So. Now, it just it just takes a lot of under the under the table money, really. <laughs> if, you, if you just if I were being honest, uh, which really isn't. So I'm right. Maybe. So you're a good um, company. So you know, we 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 all believe that. Um, well, I, I don't want to put beliefs in your mouth. Let me put it this way. Um, there come, even if you believe in less government, right? Um, if you look back, there have historically been, um, look at good Samaritan laws, right? So in Minnesota, I think there was a, a, a classic case where someone, um, uh, saw someone in need. Uh, they did not um, uh, come to that person's aid, and they're prosecuted under Good Samaritan laws. Good Samaritan law being that you know you seen someone in need, you have a you have a basic responsibility to help that well, person. It's it's why it's why Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer wound up in jail. Yes, exactly, right. Okay, yeah. And so um, you you could then make the argument that. Um, even you know if men if, if if man is inherently evil, which as Christians we believe, right. then is there a certain time and place that government can step in and say, you know what, you need to do the right thing, and we are going to make a law that says that you have to do the right thing, as in Good Samaritan laws. So, you know, in playing devil's advocate here, could you say that uh, because we are uh, an inherently you, you know not good people? That the government coming in and saying, you know what, we think it's the right thing to support the family unit this way, and we are going to then, you know, mandate paternity leave. Chris, do you see that as something similar? Uh, Could it be I, I, something? I think that those I think that those two things are similar, but I don't I don't support them. Like I think that you know the laws uh, are are there to stop us from doing bad things rather than to make us do good things. You, do you know so, what I mean? So it's basically you, you. You kind of believe in that in that idea of of negative freedoms. Um, yeah, so I mean, the I guess law like, is there to tell us what not to do. Like well, you said, it's, just, it's to keep us from you know, it's it's to keep us from messing with other people's stuff. Can I just interrupt both of you to give two very depressing facts? Mexico oh, and boy. Malta offer paid paternity leave. Mexico. Can we just <laughs> marinate on that for a minute, please? <laughs> so 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 Billy's Billy's argument here is. Is not some sort of moral imperative. Billy's arg Billy's argument is we should be more like Mexico. Well, that's a great argument. That's Billy, I think, bad. That's just just say he, want, he wants a a a a, a, a siesta oh. every afternoon. Oh, he too, has right? eight, John. Actually, no, that wait, wait, wait. Would not be a bad John, idea. John, that would not be a bad idea. John, I want you to know that um everybody on the place already does the siesta thing every day. <laughs> Man, I'm sure glad I joined this podcast. I'm learning so much. That's right. So um, you'll have to bring that up in the next editorial meeting that I won't be on. Exactly. <laughs> Can we talk about how Estonia offers? I'm looking right now at this you know, chart that Pew yeah, put together. This, Estonia offers 108 days paid and then another 180 protected. So wait. So what is Estonia's GDP? Uh, 50 cents. Fifty percent. Point zero 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 one percent. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. See. All right, Jay, John, we're going to take a break. Can you stick with us for the break, and then we'll we'll come back. We want. There's a couple stories from the blaze we want to talk to you about. Yeah. All right, just a minute. We will be. We'll be right back. Devil. Back to the church boys. Did you guys know that you can get the church boys on iTunes? I you can did. download. What? I did know that. I heard that. You're interrupting me. I'm Sorry. talking to people. I thought you were talking you to me. The... I'm not. I'm not actually speaking to you. I thought you were but, talking um... to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, we well, saw John Seidel. John Seidel. Somehow, somehow we didn't get where we were not able to. It's amazing we get anything done on this show. <laughs> I was trying I'm to trying disconnect. I'm trying to tell people to download us on iTunes, and you're interrupting me. We're also on SoundCloud. Somehow we weren't able to disconnect John from from Skype. So. <laughs> He's still Wait, here. I'm not done. He's We're still on Twitter, here. too. But, you know, there's no point. We're at, Sorry. Find us on Twitter and Facebook and SoundCloud <laughs> and iTunes. How's that? John, you still there? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Well, listen, we actually, we now that we're done fighting over paternity leave and it was two against one and Chris lost and <laughs> oh, yes. we don't need to really spend too much more time on it, I can <sighs> say 
that we have another interesting story. And this is this is Duck Dynasty star Phil Robertson. And if you missed the story, it's really one of those those stories. It's hard to recap, but I'm going to try. <laughs> um, and, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to say this. He delivered a prayer breakfast speech last Friday <laughs> in Vero Beach, Florida, and that prayer breakfast speech um, sparked a lot of controversy. Put him back in the headlines because. He ended up giving this very graphic example about atheists and you know his point was to try to say good and evil come from one specific place and that place would be God. You know, he's a Christian so that's what he believes. Uh, but you know, he goes into this very graphic description of rape and murder and, and all of that and, and I mean you kind of have to hear it to believe it and to understand it but you know, there's a solid debate about whether or not he crossed the line here. Uh, what, do you, what do you think? Chris, well, you know, I think. Hello. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, uh, it's amazing how clear you sound, <laughs> When that first, when that first quack, when that first quack came over, I thought, "What in the world is it?" I thought there was something on your computer, Billy, but it was now it was John. No, I actually thought we had audio of Phil Robertson talking. <laughs> <laughs> so no here i i think should i do you want me to read the paragraph the, 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 yeah okay let me re, let me read this and this is what he said at the prayer breakfast this is this is your your writing says our robertson's hypothetical example settled around two burglars breaking into an atheist family's home and raping and killing a woman and her children here's the controversial transcript of his remarks so can you me, do it in a phil robertson voice i don't think i can let me just uh let me just read it here real quickly i'll make a bet with you two guys break into an atheist home he has a little atheist wife and two little atheist daughters. Two guys break into his home and tie him up in a chair and gag him. And then they take his two daughters in front of him and rape both of them and then shoot him. And they take his wife and decapitate her head off in front of him. <clears throat> and then they can look at him and say, isn't it great that I don't have to worry about being judged? There's no right or wrong. And then you take a sharp knife and take his manhood and hold it in front of him and say, wouldn't it be something if this was something wrong, if there was something wrong with this? But you're the one who says there's no God, there's no right, there's no wrong. So we're just having fun. We're sick in the head. Have a nice day. So those those are his remarks. I think. Wow. That, so I think that to me, to me, the problem with his the biggest problem with his remarks is that when you use graphic examples, those graphic examples overshadow the point that you're trying to make, or can overshadow the point that you're trying to make. You got to know that the left, who doesn't want to argue the substance of your debate on how do atheists determine right or wrong without there being a god involved which is a, definitely something worth discussing, and you take this, and this is the example that you use, you overshadow your larger point. You can't overshadow your larger point. You have to understand that the Sally Cones of the world and the and the even right-wing atheists, you know, right-wing atheists, left-wing atheists, they're all going to focus on, on the graphic example you gave and not on the substance of your debate, right? Uh, what do you definitely. think, John? So I, I, I agree um, wholeheartedly with that. I think um, that, you know, uh, how you say something in, in, in the world that we live in is many times just as important as what you say. Yeah. Okay. Now, Billy, maybe you can fill some of the gaps in here, but his audience. So this was that what prayer? This was that. Um, it's the, the Vero Beach uh, prayer breakfast. Okay. So. The other thing that I'll say is that he, he he's speaking to a <coughs> seems to me is you know a kind of specific audience. So I I mentioned this example to um, my uh, wife's grandfather yesterday uh, at dinner, who is you know southern as they come. You know grew up grew up in 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 South Texas and and you know just just that very stereotypical or you know very stereotypical duck dynasty audience okay and and i i i said the story to him and he said so okay what's wrong with that and and so i think if that's your audience they're going to grasp what he's saying okay but if if this is for a wider audience then i think Chris, you're right. It kind of it, it overshadows it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you got to understand. I I don't have a problem with. I, I I frankly agree with his principle. I don't know that I would have said it that way. Right, but right, you, right. But but like like you said, it depends on who who your audience is. 
you know, the same thing happened with his GQ uh, interview a year and a half ago, right? Where he talks about, um, you know, I don't understand the gay thing. And he talks about him. I mean, he gets explicit about, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, mechanics, butts and things like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. human mechanics and that sort of thing. And, and how the whole procreation thing works. And my mom said, I'm, it's cause I was having a discussion with my mom and she said, but you know, the way he said it is just, you know, it's just not a pleasant way to say it. And I said, sometimes you just got to be out there and you say these things, you got to understand who your audience is. And well, even if, Willie, if, even if, his right, kids separated but, themselves. Right. But even, bit. but even if I guess, even if I thought that what he said was was offensive, which I didn't, the the only reason it got talked about was because he said it like that. Right? It was a discussion that we actually had because we've had these discussions. Theologians have had these discussions for decades, for centuries, these kinds of discussions. But in order for the real world to talk about it, you talk about it in real world terms, which is what he was doing. And I think that this atheist thing is, is of a similar vein. Like he put it into real world things, stark contrast to what normal behavior is right or what, well, what think, he views as normal I, behavior i think the other thing here is that you know atheist and when you when you look at sort of the commentary on this to an atheist this is basically you saying you can't be a moral person in, the, in their eyes that's how they receive this and you know they have their whole mantra we can be good without god we don't need god so this is this is a huge slap in the face to them which is why it got some uh, another reason why i got so much attention uh, but you know we had a chance to talk with the um you know, the organizer of this prayer breakfast. And he, he basically said that everybody loved it. Like you were saying, John, they, they knew the audience and the audience loved it. It wasn't weird to them. They got it. They clapped. They really enjoyed it. And so it's interesting when you take that same message and put it out to the public without a lot of context, because let's face it, this clip that they put out there in the transcript we read doesn't really put it in context around it. Not that it's going to change the meaning a whole a whole bunch, but I think when you're watching an hour-long event and you have somebody speaking during that and this is in there, it sort of jives a little bit more with the rest of the message. That is another reason I think why it's it's gotten so much so much attention, the framing of it. And and I will say what 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 I think so many people appreciate about Phil Robertson is there are so many out there who, when they get a show or when they become famous or popular, um, they just they, they become these 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 kind of spineless uh, people who never really give you uh, an answer to the question that you ask, or or they're equivocating so much. But you know, Phil's like, listen, this is who I am. The, you know, the show. Th this this family had a very popular and successful business before the show. It's more popular now because of the show. But you know, I, I think the show is probably you know it's almost done. It's in its twilight, and so they're going to continue to be who they are and and have success after it. And so he doesn't put his faith in his his success and worth in the show. Right, and I think I and I think that's one of the things that you know all of us all of us a lot of us on the right who love him. That's what we love about them and their families. And they just don't back down. It's, it would be one thing if they said something that was just totally um, unbiblical or had no grounding in Scripture. Whether, whether or not you agree with them theologically, they at least have some grounding in Scripture, right? And the things that they say, I, I, can, you know, I think that reasonable people can re at least respect them for those things. And it's not a sense of hate. If you listen to anything that Phil Robertson has ever come out and said, whether it was at this prayer breakfast or the videos he's made or other, you know, speeches he's given, he never says any of this in a spirit of hatred and a spirit of really even of other, if, if there's any anger, it's like a righteous indignation kind of anger, not a, not a personal venom for anybody. Yeah, that's an important point too. He's not he's not going after specific people, but I think again, you know, when you're a gay person or you're an atheist and you hear these things, you then you then personalize them and that's where the the danger sort of comes, I think, in how and how people deal with deal with this. I I think he's funny. This is not an example that I would have used. I mean, it's not the way that I would have talked, but but I think you're right, Chris. This is pretty consistent with that GQ interview and it's pretty consistent with a lot of the the commentaries that he makes on social and theological issues, he's very explicit and sort of goes into detail on some of these things. And I, I think we're also not really used to seeing that from from people in the public eye. And I, one of my favorite all time authors is a woman named Flannery O'Connor. I mean, if, if you've, I mean, she's just fantastic. And one of the things she wrote because she she infused religion in a lot of the things that she wrote, and just in fact, just about everything, and a lot of symbolism. And people asked her about that, and, you know, why do you say these kinds of things, and why are you so stark about these things? And she said one time, she said, to the heart of hearing, you must shout. To those blind or to the heart of seeing, you must draw large, imposing figures. 
So sometimes you just got to be out there and say the big tough things in order for people to at least discuss it because they're apparently not hearing you otherwise. Yeah, it's a great point. I think, you know, um, um, we've, you know, I've, I've used the example in, in, in business, in life, in, in just a lot of things that, you know, if, if you um, think of a game of uh, a tug of war and if you want to win the game of, 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 of tug of war, you don't just um, uh, pull, uh, you know, enough to get the, you, you know, the little flag on the rope to the line, right? You have to pull up. Uh, above and beyond what what would be required to get you know the 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 uh, uh, the flag to the line so that you can actually win right like you you have to you have to sometimes and, and you know pull and pull and pull harder um, just in order to get to the point where you're right over the line yeah. does that make sense yep I get it oh excuse me bump the microphone what just happened I I, I turned my head to check the to check the uh... The software here to see our audio field and bang my headphones against the microphone. That's I'm, embarrassing. Well, I'm not a professional. <laughs> I just play one in real life. <laughs> I don't even pretend. I don't even pretend anymore. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, you know, between paternity leave and now you smacking the microphone with your head, I think that you know, Seidel might be your replacement. Fine, fine with me, Seidel. Now you're stuck with Billy for two hours a week. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Listen, I already get him. I already get him about ten hours a day, uh, where he's chatting me. At, oh, uh, me too. So he bugs you all day too? Oh, totally. And John's like, "Stop IMing me," but then I can't stop. I just keep IMing, and Every... I, I am random thoughts. And John's like, "Stop," and I don't stop 15... for years now. Can I, can I can I share the one infamous story, Billy? Uh, Billy, one wait, day. Was, wait, 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 was... wait. Does it have to do with prison? <laughs> That should be a whole episode. It'll have to be. Oh. So tell the infamous story that isn't prison, isn't prison related. Billy, Billy, one day was I am me like like this was about I don't know what a year and a half ago, Billy, and he was just like firing off so many things. By the way, you can, you might be able to hear my dogs in the background. They do not like the garbage man. Um, he was firing off like so many things, and and it was like, what about this? What about this? Oh, this, this, that, 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 and so like. I, I responded back to him, I think, with just one word or, or a few words. And I said, Billy, focused. <laughs> and, I um, became enraged. Yeah, Billy was so pissed at me. He, like, called me up. He stewed over it for a couple days. It went on for, like, a week. You're such a yeah, girl. I was really offended. And I'm like, in the end, I was like, well, did you need to focus or didn't you? Well, yeah. Maybe. But... <laughs> well, you know, we could also talk about the time that John and I were firing messages back and forth, and he accidentally red bannered one of them. Oh, I forgot about that. I did. I posted it on the front of the blaze, <laughs> and, and then Stu, Stu had to IM me and say, um, "I think there's something on the front of the website that should uh, be there." I love and it. Sure <laughs> Wait, the best part is that I don't think any of us would know how to recreate that. I don't think no. any of us would know how to even publish an IM conversation from a red banner. I don't think you could do it again if you wanted to. That makes me yeah. so happy. In infamous, infamous moment. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Uh, hey, John, John Seidel, thank you so much for being on with us today. We appreciate hey, anytime. It. I liked it. Yeah, we had fun. We'll have to do it again sometime. You're not. You're not half bad. Yeah, I'm not half good either. But. That's right. Well, you know, but it means I have to talk to Billy half as much, which is really quite a relief, actually. <laughs> <clears throat> Whatever. All right, guys. Okay, you, hey, you, you need to give us a give, give us a give us a DJ sign off. Thanks for joining us today. It's going to be a great weekend. The sun's going to be shining. It's going to be a high of 39 and a low of 42. You guys have a great weekend. All right. Oh, my God. Thanks. Thanks, John. We'll talk to you later. And, folks, we will be right back with an interview, a uh, very cool interview from the Killing Jesus cast. Just a minute. The Church Boys. The Church Boys. Man, I hate these guys. You know, Satan's almost as bitter as John Seidel. Almost. Not, not, almost. Not quite. Almost. Well, we have an interview for you. We teased it earlier in the show, and it's with Alexis Rodney, and he played Peter um, in, in Bill O'Reilly's Killing Jesus. It's just one of 
the most interesting projects, I think, because you've got, right, Mark and Roma, and you've got the AD yep. series, and you've got a bunch of other shows and movies that have come out on Jesus. This one's a little bit different because it looks at Jesus as a human being only. It doesn't get into any of the of the um, sort of biblical stories of what, what he did as, as God's son, only the humanity, which which could be controversial, oh, but I think it's done is done in a way to sort of, uh, I think, look at his character in the historical narrative. So, you know, we talked with Alexis, and uh, what was your what was your biggest takeaway before we get into it? You know, I really like, you know, there's been a lot of complaints about they didn't focus on the divinity of Christ. And I liked the, some of the things that I've heard and read about it, that it's a historical take. I like how they have laid that out. And he, Alexis, I thought, did a very good job of laying out, listen, this is a historical piece, but it can still bring people to know Jesus better and the things that he taught. He's all about love and whether you believe in his divinity or not, showing people this side without the, a lot of, you know, a lot of um, people, non-religious people look at the, at the divinity thing, the, the Christian thing is it's like a hocus pocus kind of thing. There's a magic involved. And he says, if you take that stuff out and take away any sense of uh, what some people might perceive as cheesiness and just focus on, on who the man was, that can turn a lot of people to Jesus just because they're like, I'm attracted to this guy and the historical side of what he's doing. I think that was a very important um, thing that he that he he's promoting. I love it. All right, well, let's get into the interview. Here is our chat with Alexis Rodney. It's Billy Hollowell. I'm here today with Chris Field, and we have a special guest with us. It's Alexis Rodney, who plays Peter in the new Killing Jesus um, movie, Bill O'Reilly. Many of you might know the book that the movie is based on. How are you doing today, Alexis? I'm very well. I'm in uh, I'm in New York, and uh, I've just got back from Oklahoma where we're doing press for uh, press for the movie. And I've got a couple of days in New York, and then I'm finished with all my duties. And, and obviously, on a come this uh, Palm Sunday, it goes out to uh, the, the the show goes out to 170 countries. So. That was my duties finished, so yeah, you off to Miami after this. You guys are busy, busy. So Oklahoma. Busy, busy, busy. Miami. Oklahoma, which was wonderful, actually. I never ever thought I'd get the chance to go to, uh, to Oklahoma, which is uh, it's one of the beautiful things about this project, actually. Uh, when I, I got to thinking while I was while I was on the airplane, how uh, how events that uh, remarkable events that took place 2,000 years ago. Uh, uh, have in some way uh, affected my life, uh, the butterfly effect of that. To, you know, I've been to Morocco where we shot the film, uh, and why does that? Uh, we got to travel all around Morocco, in fact, and uh, on to New York for the premiere, Oklahoma, uh, and now back to New York. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience being able to, to, to be involved in such an epic project. Well, let me ask you this, because you mentioned the events 2,000 years ago. And, I mean, you know, a lot of actors, when they, when they come to a role, uh, most of the time it's a new role unless it's a biopic or a, a historical pick. In this case, it's a role that so many people know. I mean, it's probably one of the most well-known people in history um, playing mm-hmm. Peter. What was it like to play such a pivotal and well-known individual? There's a lot of pressure, I suppose, is that there is the, the pressure of, of, of history and of time and of, you know, just how important he was in terms of, you know, reaching Jesus's uh, inner sanctum of disciples, of course, becoming the uh, the rock of the church, as, as Jesus named him, um, and, and going on to be one of the, the, the founders of, of the church. Um, there's a lot of pressure. I mean... The, Beauty is, uh, and what kind of uh, releases some of that pressure is the fact that because we don't know too much of of the gaps in between Peter's life, I've got carte blanche to fill that in. So as the actor, you know, I I obviously would have had to have created some form of backstory. Um, We know that Simon Peter had a family. We know he grew up in a in a a small town. I, I hope I get the pronunciation correctly. Bethsaida, which is uh, was near the shores of Galilee. So, uh, to an extent, I have carte blanche to 
bring by by you know using the script, using the stuff we already know about Sam and Peter, and creating my own backstory that that I would do on any project really. Um, we we get to bring some of my own flavour to it uh, as such. So so yeah, I had a, a, a really good time uh, trying to bring him to life really. So. So Alexis, Alexis, Chris Field here, and I, I gotta, I gotta preface this question with, uh, to say that it's in really intimidating talking to someone like you, not only because you're famous and I'm just some dope with the microphone, but also you've got this accent that makes you sound incredibly intelligent. Uh, and so, <laughs> so ex, ex, excuse me for sounding like, <laughs> excuse me for sounding like a dumb American, because in fact I am. Uh, but what I wanted to ask <laughs> you, <laughs> what I wanted to ask you was, um. So you talked about, you know, this, this amazing character. What, what did you know of Peter going into it? What was your understanding of him? And did it, did it change at all once you were done with this role? How did that, did it impact you? Did it change your life in some way or did it simply change your understanding? That's a good question. I think that was, you know, one of the first, one of the early, I mean, one of the first Bible stories that ever stuck with me was uh, Samson and Delilah. Um, was always very moved by that but then there was the uh i mean you know the, the denial was something that i think was one of the earliest uh parts of, parts of that story that I'd, I'd, I'd ever come across really so or one of the, the earliest parts of that story that, that that struck a chord um so i think it was for, for me i mean that's the thing that people always talk about is the denial um you know he obviously goes on to to uh, fulfill the prophecy and, and deny Christ three times as, as Christ predicted, and it's um, it's a tough one. I, I think what it what it's done for me is question quite simply why human beings do the things we do. Mm. You know, um, when you look in the Bible and you look at characters like Jacob, who was who was asked by God to 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 sacrifice, sacrifice uh, his son Isaac. You know, he, he was a character that had the, the pure faith to be able to to go through with that act even though God in the end uh, spared the life of, of Jacob. So I look at characters as, as excuse me, of Isaac. So I, I look at characters like Jacob and, and there's two people juxtaposed to each other and you, you kind of wonder how is it that one person's able to do that and the other person isn't. Uh, and that just makes me feel that's the beauty of life. We're, we're human and yeah. none of us can or ever will reach the, the level of Jesus Christ. That was his position on, on the earth. So, so for me, it was it was the, the the thing it's done is make me continue to ask the questions that I was. I mean, I've I've always been a searcher. Um, I said that to, to a few few uh, uh, during a few few of the interviews uh, in the last few days. But I've always been a searcher. I've always been spiritual. I've always, uh, even as a young boy, I, I, I posed a lot of those big esoteric uh, philosophical questions to my mum who <laughs> didn't really know how to deal with them. Yeah. So I, I think what it's done is it's reinvigorated me in terms of you know getting back on that path and, and asking a lot of those questions really. Right. So um, I haven't. I haven't. Uh, you brought up the denial, the Peter's denial portion. I haven't had a chance mm-hmm. to see see the movie yet. Uh, Billy and I weren't given advanced mm-hmm. copies. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why you didn't personally mail us those copies. I'm really quite offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, but I wanted to ask you, does it get into the restoration of Peter? Does it tell that part of the story? Not really. I mean, okay. it, it touches on it at the very, 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 very end. Okay. I don't want to spoil it for you. Okay. But, um, I'm in case, trying, in case we didn't to get you to, to tune in on, on, uh, on the 29th. Yeah, in case okay. we didn't, in case we didn't read ahead in our Bible, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Let me Indeed. let me ask you what um you know what what are what are you thinking that viewers will take away you know what's sort of the central takeaway after watching? What I'm hoping, and I think it's what what everybody going into this project is, uh, I think, was hoping from the producers to the actors. I mean, two, two things. I mean. I, I, I think this was a labor of love for everybody. I don't think anybody was going into this just for a paycheck. Um, I think the this, this story, the way that the way in which we've told the story, which is so unique, I think has had all of the all of the, the creators on this absolutely buzzing. Um, 
because we've we've seen this story so many times, uh, and like a lot of people have said to me, why, what's so good about about this? We've we've seen the story over and over again, but I always refer to Shakespeare, and it's like you know, you you have, you know, one of the greatest writers of of, of our time in Shakespeare, whose stories get told in in literally every single language, and and the reason those stories get told over and over again is because they matter and they they're still current and i think that's the thing with with this story and I, i'll go one further to say i think this is the greatest story ever told and you've heard that before i think what we do to do with this story that that's unique number one we have a uh, such a diverse cast which you know i think will we'll, num- number one uh it'll get people asking why it will it will open up uh, avenues for, for, for different uh, a different type of audience to come and see it. Um, I, I think the other thing is is that uh, what we've done with the miracles that you usually see, we've got rid of the fanfare, we've got rid of the uh, the flashing lights, the wave machines, the wind machines, uh, the special effects, and, that, and we've done that not to offend any any. Uh, any believers or non-believers or anybody else who's used to the story, but the reason why we've done that is to put man, Jesus Christ, under a microscope and really see how he lived his life in a factual way. Um, and I think the good thing about that is that, again, it will open up to a completely different audience who, who perhaps wouldn't watch for all of those things. They, you know, it, it's, in my opinion, a, a less cheesy way of doing it. Um, which I think is brilliant because it, it, it takes in, especially these days, uh, a younger, more perhaps sceptical audience. Um, it will open up to them also. So I think, I think there are a lot of positives to take from it. And number two, the performance of, of Haz Slyman, uh, it, 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 it's sublime. In fact, everybody, but, but Haz, you know, he's obviously, he's, he's holding, holding the... Uh, the, the, the fort with the, with the performance of Jesus there. So it's um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward. I've seen it already twice, but I'm looking forward to hearing what the reactions of other people are. And you know, with the book, because I, I've made my way through the majority of the book, and I mean, the premise mm-hmm. is, as you said, looking at Jesus as a man. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's always interesting because I think for a lot of, in particular, Christians, you know, people have a hard time sort of separating the two out but it's an interesting mm-hmm. book to try to do that. What sort of reactions mm-hmm. have people had to that different take on it that you've seen? The, the reaction you mean? To the uh, depiction. To the more, you know, let's look at the human and not as much um, at, the, at the divine. I think some people are, are, are I think most people are, are, are find it refreshing. I think, I think, Again, we've we've had we've had we've had all of that before, and you know Jesus the Christ is is there forever. Um, but looking at Jesus as a revolutionary, you know Christ came it came to us in a a, a a human vehicle. So it's like you know I, I think it's good to see that. It, it also allows people people don't connect. They connect with him as a man first, so I think it's good. It's good to analyse him in that way and his life and the factual things. Jesus was, you know, he was a carpenter from Nazareth, uh, first and foremost. So I think I think it's it's good for us to uh, to look at it from this perspective as more of a uh, a man who became a revolutionary. I find that an interesting way to then get the audience to open up and raise debate as to, to what their feelings are on, on Jesus the man and Jesus the Christ. So So Alexis, how has how has this um you know you talk about focus on Jesus the man, uh how has that impacted your view of Christ? I mean or or has it? And if so, how? How has it impacted Well you you said that this movie, the way that we've done it as a historical perspective rather mm-hmm. than a divine perspective will help mm-hmm. people better understand Christ or come to know him in a different way or whatever. Has it done that for you uh, in the filming of it and the reading of the script and of the book? Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's made me ask more questions. I think it's made me want to, you know, the, 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 
the Bill O'Reilly book was great, but it, it's it's made me want to to look even further and do my own research and, and find out uh, more about Jesus the Man. So, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I'm, I'm, cu- I'm currently reading, uh, it's just something that somebody rec- recommended to me a, a week ago. I'm reading a book called The Zealot, um, which is an interesting read. And, um, and also... Uh, it delves into the, the politics of Rome. I think I think that's the other thing. You know, when we when we go back to to the, the O'Reilly Dugard book, is that you know I, I just I didn't realise just how how much the politics played into this story. Um, I, I you you see this remarkable story about Jesus the Christ, and you know it's a powerful story. But I didn't realise just how much the politics of not only Rome, but the uh, from the Sanhedrin to the Pharisee, these people all vying for positions of power. Right. And you have this man that comes from nowhere and shakes everything up. Now, there, there were people, uh, and we talk about it in the actual film, there were people at the time who claimed to be the Messiah. And there, there were dozens, of, I, I couldn't tell you the exact amount, but there were, there were many that came and claimed to be the Christ. All of those guys were executed before they got a chance to get their message across. None of those guys lived through through 2,000 plus years to become the most iconic, famous person on the planet. Right. And that's made me question why. What was it that was so powerful? What was it about this man that has been able to make him stick for 2,000 plus years? Cool. I mean, outside the whole lots of questions in the race. Yeah, outside the whole resurrection thing, what has kept him around? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I had in the question. This isn't related necessarily to the message of the movie, but you know, often we when we've talked to filmmakers and, and actors and that sort of mm-hmm. thing, uh, they have mm-hmm. one or two cool stories from the filming. Is there any stories that you can tell our you know our listeners to say this is a really cool thing that happened while we were doing this? Well, there were lots of lots of beautiful things. I mean the. Uh... One that sticks out while we were filming, and I, I, I unfortunately don't think it made the it entirely made the film, but there was a a scene where Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah, um, I believe it is. For, forgive me if I'm wrong. Where he's uh, he's riding the donkey colt into uh, Jerusalem, and the people are laying the palms on the floor. I mean, there was a moment where it just it reached near rapture, and it was. The people, they were going to cut. I, I, we'd finished the scene, but the people were in a, an, an absolute state of rapture. They were just screaming Hosanna. They weren't stopping. And these were these were people. They were paid supporting artists, extras, right. whatever, whatever you want want to call them. And the uh, the camera operator used his, his, his good thinking and just carried on filming. And there was, it was I felt like a biblical superstar. Wow. I'm sure we all did. It was just absolutely amazing. Wow. Um, that that was a moment that, that stuck out for me. Like a, um, you know, all, we we sorry. we we crazy evangelical Protestants would say, you know, maybe a, a moment of worship broke out amongst people that something that something that hit them that was maybe supernatural, even during the filming of a of a historical piece. Uh, you cut out at the beginning, there, my friend. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I was going to say, you right. know, we, we crazy evangelical Protestants might say that maybe a, an amazing moment of worship broke out uh, amongst the people there. You know, something happened, something connected, sounds like, to, to me. Uh, it, it was just it was just beautiful. It, it went on for about four minutes, which is a long time. That's great. To, to be filming after a scene is, is filmed. Um, I think it didn't, as beautiful as the moment was for us, I, uh, I think the reason it probably wasn't used is because it, it broke up the, the, the story. The story obviously had to continue, but um, yeah. that was a beautiful moment. But there, there were there were lots. I mean, even off 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 screen, you know, we had a had a, a wonderful bonding experience where we took a, a trip to the desert. Um, I, I think pretty much most of the cast that were around at the time, um, we, we took a trip up to the desert and we stayed in in, in the dunes. And um, yeah, that was fantastic. There was it was a night. I remember, I remember complaining because uh, I really wanted to see the stars. I was told that we'd be able to see see the stars really clearly that night, and there were none. And uh, 
We ate, we ate together, we laughed, we talked, went to sleep because we had an early rise and I felt like a bright light was shining in my face and I, I, I thought somebody was trying to, I thought someone was playing a prank with a torch or something and uh, I opened my eyes and it was the most beautiful constellation of stars I think I've ever seen in my life. It was wow. amazing. That's and cool. it must have been about 4 and four a.m. in the morning, 3, 4 in the morning. And I refused to go to sleep again. I just stayed and, and looked at the stars. So that was one of the other things that stuck out. But um, I think it's, you know what I said earlier on, it was a labor of love. I think it's, um, it's very rare that you get to do a job. You know, you're away from home. And it's rare that you get to do a job where you make actual friends. And what I mean by that is that so many times I do jobs, I meet people, you know, you love them for, for a month and then you don't, you don't see them again or you, you rarely hear from them. Right. You know, we've got a, a WhatsApp group that continues to this day. I'm talking 20, 20 uh, guys and girls, all from, from the cast, who literally talk about everything from religion to politics to current affairs. Well, that's and cool. that to me is, is, is priceless. What so, a, what a neat it's, been a, it's been a job to remember in, in, in that sense. What a neat opportunity. That's, I, what, it, it sounds like you guys really bonded well over this story and the telling of this story. So, oh, yeah. I don't suspect that that's an accident either. No, I don't, I don't think it is. And again, I go back to how beautiful it is that this remarkable event that took place is, is still... It's still affecting people, yeah. right down to the car. So, That's, yeah, I've I've been truly, truly blessed to be to be a part of it. No, I love that in these. You know, everybody I've talked to, Roma Downey with her projects. You know, everybody they always have stories like what you just shared that I think are always fascinating. That go, you know, beyond just the we're filming a movie, we're filming a TV series. It, it's always mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to the story, it seems like it it resonates so much more beyond that. I and mean, there's so many yeah. other things that happen, but. You know, I'm going to give you the final word here. We we really appreciate your time. Is there anything that you you know want to say that maybe we haven't talked about? I know a lot of time in these a lot of times in these interviews, um, you know, actors don't really get to say everything they want. So, is there any anything else? Um, you know, I hope. I mean, there's, there's been a, I suppose, a tiny bit of hoo-ha about you know hard and and uh, you know in being of, of of Muslim faith. I really hope that you know as as Christians and believers and you know all the spiritual people out there all of the the people who uh, are good enough to sit and watch this and for me the core message is is is, is love and um, the core message of Jesus Christ is love and you know what even if I don't class myself necessarily as a Christian I would say that you know my moral compass has probably been set up uh, inadvertently through through the teachings of Jesus Christ so I just hope that people can see so beyond that because what he brings to this is complete love and um, they couldn't have picked a better person for it. And I, I hope that with this project, I hope it opens up doors of conversation uh, between all the faiths and, and brings people to, to, to the table who, you know, perhaps aren't, aren't of a religious or spiritual background to, to sit and watch it because, uh, again, the core message is a good one. Listen, Alexis, I really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for sitting down with us today. Oh, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Alexis. You guys, take care. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Good take care. Have a good time in Florida. <laughs> oh, thank you, my friend. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. And now, back to the church, boys. They're a real pain in my all right, so it's uh, it's the church boys. We are back. We're only back for another minute or two here because, um, boy, we have gone long already. You know, Seidel hogged a whole lot of time. He did. Yeah, he did. We'll just we're gonna have to. Don't tell him, but I think we're just gonna have to have him not not come back again. He's fired. All right, he can stay as janitor. We can yeah, as janitor. that's actually not a bad idea. He probably wouldn't clean the fish bowl, would he? No. And you're reminding me, I haven't cleaned mine in like three weeks. <laughs> you have fish. Unfortunately, of course you do. You're one of those boring Christian people. You've got fish. Oh, I hate fish. We want them at a carnival and they just won't die. Is that <laughs> terrible to say? Well, fry them up for crying out loud. They're so, they're too tiny and there's not oh. enough meat. Oh, well. This is awkward. <laughs> it is awkward. Let's go ahead and change <laughs> subjects then. Hey, uh, 
one thing we wanted to tease before we before we sign off is is later this week, uh, we have a very special secret super secret squirrel interview. I call it uh, coming up. Uh, we scheduled an interview and we were going to do this interview and um, it actually is going to turns out really cool. Uh, but Billy had quote technical difficulties and so I wasn't able to be in on the chat. He called me and then these his Skype or whatever wasn't working. So he yeah, tragic. this interview. So tragic. give people a small taste of what this interview is or who you talk to. And then um, I know you can't give details because it's embargoed until next week or later this week. So, so I talked with an author and he also uh, makes movies, movie maker. And I can't tell you who it is yet, but what I can tell you is that the interview surrounds a very well-known, highly publicized case that really divided the nation. Um, and that's all I can say right now. But it's a really fascinating story, and I think people are going to love it. You think so, huh? I do think I th- that. And I, the best I part is Chris Field's not involved in the interview. You know, only because you're a jerk and you pretended to have technical difficulties. I'm that's already, what I say when I don't I get, want Chris involved. I get the studio all set up. I get this the software all set up. I'm ready to record. And then you call in and... like, <laughs> Chris, I don't know what's going on. All static. I don't know what's the matter. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> whatever <laughs> all right billy we probably should uh should get out of here any words of wisdom for the people yeah uh go to itunes and download us and read your bibles <laughs> and the blaze we'll talk to you later bye-bye